Mental health is a problem. It's a problem in society at large and specifically in the veteran community. So I sat down with Jacob Schick, Marine veteran and CEO of One Tribe Foundation for a very real conversation around the subject. The conversation is timely given this time of year when many consider it to be the most challenging and stressful for their mental health. Jake had a bad day at the office in 2004 when he got into a fight with an IED. The good news is he won that fight and he's still with us today. But the blast left him with TBI, PTSD, and numerous wounds that continue to challenge him every day. He fights through it though, all while doing his part in combating the epidemic of suicide. The only thing I regret about this conversation is that we didn't have time to cover everything that I wanted to. Come take a listen, and before you do anything else, like and subscribe. I want to, I want to jump right into the mental health side of things. Yeah. Um, and I don't want you and I to hold anything back. You got Not it. that I have to worry about that with you. Have we made improvements since one tribe started as 22 kill and since it started as an organization have we made improvements on mental health yes short answer yes do we have lots of work to do absolutely and uh, where have we made the improvements uh openness and confronting it openness and asking for help uh, i believe we've made significant leaps and bounds as opposed to where we were in 2013. Uh, no, no doubt in my mind, especially amongst the various branches in our military to include the Marine Corps. I believe that we've made drastic improvements in the mental and emotional arena, yes. So with that being said, paint a picture for people who from a military standpoint, I want to get into this, you know, based on what we see in the, in mm -hmm. the, the civilian world as yeah. well, but paint a picture for people what it was like in the Marine Corps at one time <laughs> versus what you're talking about now being open. Okay. I mean, it's a simple picture to paint, really. It, anything above the neck was off limits, meaning... You know, if you had a hurt knee or ankle or arm, whatever, we can address that. You can go to medical, no problem. Go see doc. Doc will get you medical. You know, we'll, we'll get that handled. Uh, anything going on six inches in between the ears is the no-go zone. We do not do that. We're gladiators, not showing weakness. We do not show weakness. And that is now, for the most part, uh, you, you're not taking that approach. You're seeing um, leadership at a very high level and majority of the branches embracing the thoughts of mental and emotional wellness, understanding too, that, you know, we, we were in two wars for 20 plus years and it does its damage and they're not idiots. You don't get to that level mm -hmm. by being dumb and they understand. I mean, how many general officers have we seen over the last two decades or more die by suicide? Cause there's been more than one. And so it, it's, it's been an, an epidemic that has affected every branch at every level, rather officer enlisted. And so I feel like that they've seen this and that's trickled over to the civilian side and, and more so in first responder, law enforcement officer, you're starting to see these groups be more open to it, which I think is very, very important because you know, they're, they're not like us. They're not going to go do a seven-month deployment or, you know, if you're in the Army, I mean, up to 15-month deployment and then come back and get a year of decompression or downtime. You know, it's day in and day out. And so I think we've done a really good job at awareness. Uh, I feel like we started the ball rolling on that. Okay, but there there is a level of truth to what you said as far as we are reared to be gladiators. Mm -hmm. We are reared to, to kill. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is at the end of the day, that is why we exist as a, uh, as a department of defense. Correct. You know, because if you're defending yourself, you're defending yourself with the intent of 
destroying the enemy who is attacking you. So there is some truth to the idea that we can be, if we're not careful, if we put too much weight into those problems, into, well, that's, you just got to kind of deal with it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, maybe I didn't really say that right, but if, if, we, if we become too empathetic about it, we open ourselves up for weakness. There's, there's a school of thought there that in, in some way, I think there's some validity to it. The bigger issue, it seems like, is when we leave active duty, we're not equipped to compartmentalize those things anymore, deal with the things that were bothering us. Um, but yet a lot of these suicides are happening on, on active duty. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's got to be a balance, right? I mean, one would hope because it hadn't been figured out yet. Well, this isn't a new phenomenon. No, it's something that's been around for, I mean... Ever. World War One. it was called... Yeah, shell shock. Shell shock. And yeah, I mean, it's something that's been around forever, and I think it's something that really where... Um, you know, and I, and I semi-agree with what you said, and I don't agree with it completely. That, yeah. That, and the reason being is because I think being a living example of someone who's found victory in their vulnerability while refusing to be a hostage of their pride has made me a much stronger, more stable human. By me unapologetically being me and not giving a damn what anybody else thought about it. Okay, so we've, we've made progress. Yeah. And I guess the bigger question then is, can we still be strong while being vulnerable? 100%. Because a lot of people don't look at it that way. Well, just because I love you, Todd, doesn't mean I'm afraid to make you bleed. Yeah. It's kind of a violent statement. I almost feel offended by that. Well, that's your prerogative. <laughs> but that's the thing. You can be a loving, caring, empathetic, some cases sympathetic human being while still having that edge, having that gladiator approach. Just, and I mean just what I said, just because I love you doesn't mean I'm afraid to make you bleed. You know, hopefully it would never come to that, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I would shy away from it. And I, you can be both. And I think societally we've been, you know, there's all these categorical boxes society's got. And you get placed in one as an officer, and I get placed in one as a wounded enlisted guy, and you know because then you're easily defined. It mm-hmm. takes no work. Like, okay, well that person goes in this box, that person goes in this box, and essentially what it comes down to is a it's a lackadaisical mindset, and you don't have to take the time to actually get to know someone at, at the molecular level, because that takes a lot of work. It, and it's, I think it's something that it has made us, we've regressed as a people so much as humankind that the boxes just become more and more and more and more where I, I feel like it had anything technology, technologically related is, is making us regress. There's less human to human interaction. This is something you and I have talked about multiple times Mm -hmm. about how, especially with our youth, that it's gotten so bad where they can't look at someone in the eyes and have a conversation. And I mean, that's a problem. You're losing that human element and that human connection. And I I, I see it now with kids in their 20s into their 30s. And it's like, damn, like you're going to have it's I mean, until this older generation completely dies off. It's not going to serve you well. You got to be able to look at someone. Computers aren't going to do it. AI is not going to be able to feel the impact of a suicide of a good friend or whatever the, the way you or I will. I actually read an article on this a couple of days ago that the, the next step for AI is learning that emotional intelligence and that there is belief that they can there's reason to believe that they can learn some of that emotional intelligence. Some. I mean, and here's the thing. If they can, great, grand, and wonderful in that order. 
Like, let robots control the world. What could possibly go wrong? They're man-made. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? They're man-made. That's, that, is a, that is a very, very uh, insightful comment. Yeah, I, it just is like, you know, I want to love my circle. You know, I want to love my circle all the way. Be completely genuine in who I am to them. Be present for them. Ever present. Let them know they can depend on me till my dying breath. As long as God is able to fill my lungs with his oxygen and have my mind be clear because I, I choose to practice recovery and a recovery lifestyle, being clean and sober, then that's all I care about. What anyone else outside that circle thinks is none of my business. So you... You obviously went through, uh, well, you know what, before I even go there, I, I want to go back to, to the whole mental health thing. We've, we've made progress. Here's one of the things that really bothers me, though, and I, and I, I really want to get your thoughts on this. I think we do a really poor job in the veteran community allowing veterans to be painted as a victim class. No, 100% agree. Because what we end up doing so often is... You know, and we have to go out there and we have to tell people about the problems. Yeah. And, and like you said, the, the you know, the, the boxes, it's an easy way to look mm -hmm. at the problem of mental health when you scale it down to, you know, the military as a microcosm of the whole. Yeah. But the reality is I'm not sure from the statistics that I've seen that the veteran community is any worse off from a mental standpoint, uh, from a mental health standpoint, than the rest of society. I, I, don't, I don't know that, that that's the case. They're not. Now, I think where I think it becomes confusion for a lot of people is we're supposed to be the mentally strong ones, and we're not. And so, you know, the, the idea of the veteran community being a victim class bothers me to no end and I, I think we have to do a much better job changing that perception because the reality is I mean how many people do you know in the veteran community who are incredibly successful a lot a lot yeah yeah well I think in your assertion it's um you have a very small percentage with the victim stamp mm -hmm. in totality of the overall percentage that have the loudest megaphones. Look at the rest of society. Mm -hmm. Same, same. Mm -hmm. They make the loudest noise. Yeah, that's true. It's fair. <clears throat> so yeah. how do we take that back? I, we got to stand up and stop worrying about whose feelings we hurt. You got to stop giving a damn what other people think about you. Here's the thing. I want my sons to live a convicted life in who they are, knowing that they only need them at the end of the day, them and their relationship with the Lord. That's it. At the end of the day, that's all they really need. I need them to have the ability to sit and be present with themselves, period, and it not be uncomfortable. Because I could ask you, how many people do you know that could sit and just be? and be completely present with themselves and could no, no kidding, sit and do that. That's a hard thing. It's a hard, because there's so many distractions now. Yeah. Um, that, and, and that's my point is that how far do you want to take it? You know, we could sit here and we could talk about all these different issues and these categorical groups. And when at the end of the day, we all bleed red. Every one of us bleeds red. So we're connected by default, regardless of how many people that pisses off. I could give a damn less. We're connected by default. Right? Whether you're an animal or a bipod. Doesn't matter. You bleed red. Yeah. So when I completely agree with you when it comes to the idea of well, you know, it's not so much just veteran or military. This is a societal 100%. And I've mm -hmm. been saying this for a long time. A lot of experts have been saying this for a long time. It's a human issue. Human issue. So how, how do we solve it? How does this, this, 
Because mental health is more of a problem today than it's ever been. I mean, yeah, I'm, I mean, Todd, if I had the answer to how we solved it, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. Well, I guess you're looking for an answer. Let me see what I can do. To help. <laughs> no, but uh, you know, I think I think the other thing is, you know, like I was driving along with my daughter this morning, and she was. Um, I can tell she's in a little bit of a funk and it, and it has to do with, you know, being connected to other girls at school and, you know, and she's always been a very, you know, popular kid, but she's, you know, she's in high school now and and she's trying to find her way. Um, and you know, while I don't think that there's any mental health issues there, I'm certainly more alert and aware about it than I've ever been. Good. Um, did you, have you asked her? Um, no, I haven't, I haven't, you know, and it's not, it's not that I'm assuming she's fine. Um, it's that, uh, I just, you know, I believe, I think there's also a concern if you put too many thoughts into someone's head, they start to think those thoughts that you don't want them to think. Do you you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, I do. Um, I also think that. You just you talked you brought up a, a balance a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I, it's like just it's it's like okay. Well, if I just completely avoid this potential issue altogether and not bring it up, it's never going to be thought about. You know, last time I checked, there's a God and you're not Him. And I know this, that I'll be damned. If I have to live the life that the people that I know, some very well, that said, you know, nothing was ever brought up. They never mentioned anything. And then just one day, I'll be damned. So then how do you address that? Hey, how you doing? How's your heart? How's your mind? It's a tough time we live in. You're a teenage girl. I would rather go through boot boot camp a hundred times over than be a teenage girl. Yeah, amen. I mean, they ha- it is horrible. It's awful what these kids do to these kids. Not only face to face and in groups, but you know, social media and on these platforms. I, it's disgusting to me. <clears throat> and for me, it's like, okay, I don't know whether to sit down and ask you where your anger stemming from, or to go have a quiet undisclosed conversation with your father like i i mean where's the parenting you know yes it's a lot easier to slap this ipad in front of your kid and say hey talk to you oh in my six God. hours yeah I, I remember one night Lori and i were out and um we look over and there are these parents now in fairness to them they they looked a little disheveled Um, but they had three kids, probably all under the age of five, each had, uh, earphones, Mm -hmm. not, not just ear pods, but the whole headphones, the headphones (laughs) and plugged in. And they're just like zombies eating while they're, while they're watching something at out out at a restaurant. Now here's, here's everything that went through my mind. First, I'm thinking, why on earth would you do that? And I mean, I'm just, I'm judgmental as hell. I'm looking at them going, why on earth would you do that to your kids? I mean, that's a time for you guys to bond. And then the more I started judging them and, 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 <laughs> and throwing them down the, the crapper, I'm like, you know what? As disheveled as they look, maybe this is the one night a week that they allow the kids to do it so that the two of them can actually have a conversation maybe yeah you, you don't know what you don't know no, you, you don't but i can tell you they look like hammered shit yeah and you know what i mean look i'm guilty of it as a, as a dad like i'm guilty of the you know too much screen time and uh it's convenience 100 it comes down to convenience you know and if you're not willing to admit that's why i always tell people you've heard me say this very publicly often is that you know everybody relaxes i'm probably the most fundamentally flawed human in this room yeah. You know, I mean, because all I'm doing is letting people know like, Hey, it's, I, I, I really no shit mean it relax because then I, I also believe that I probably am the most morally askew and scarred human here. So just relax. You know, it's you and I obviously have a, a, a good long history 
And there are a few moments in our in our history that I remember very clearly. <laughs> you know, one of one of those was you know the first time we met, and um, you were described to me uh, by Clint Bruce, our, uh -oh. our good friend. He said, "Yeah, Jake got into a fight with an IED and he won." And I was like, "That's <laughs> that could be the the oddest way I've ever heard to describe someone who got blown up." Um, but then when I met you, it was that, I mean, that was just your, your attitude. Then the second time, the second thing that I remember was when you gave a talk and it was the most angry I'd ever seen you. Yeah. You were just flat out angry. And I knew I needed to, to say something. And to your credit, when I, when I did, you were very, um, you were very appreciative, you were very welcoming of the comments, and you took them to heart. And then the next thing that pops into my mind is just this series of events, was when I saw you speak to the, to the St. Rita group. I, I think when I left out of there, I called multiple people and said, this is the happiest I've ever seen Jake. Yeah. What happened? What was the transformation? There's God and I'm not him. I'm a piece of that. But I mean, that the transformation is an ongoing daily evolution, right? I mean, it's the, um, you know, I've had to rely on a lot of um, help from a lot of people that are a lot smarter than I am or ever will be. And I've had to have the come to the realization that I'm not going to save anybody. You know, it's just, I don't have that ability. Again, there's God and I'm not him. I'm here to do the work that God's gifted me to do and bless me to have the ability to do, and I'm gonna do that to the best of my ability. There's gonna be days where I get tired and I wake up and the last thing I wanna do is anything that involves people. Um, you know, because the people, especially the ones that uh, wake up choosing to be victims as opposed to victors will suck you dry if you let them. And then they just move on to the next host. Uh, I've been very careful about the steps that I've taken and the, the decisions I've made that feed myself and feed my soul and my family, not take away from it. Mm -hmm. You know, where for a long time I, I did a lot of things and lived ways that just all it did was destruction, destruction, destruction. And didn't give a damn about, about consequences because it was, you know, I went out of my way to be numb. It was, it's, uh, it's a lot more welcoming than and is, healing. And is that, is that largely because of, you know, the accident and the injury? No, uh, and it wasn't an accident. I mean, the... the well, that's true. They blew me up on purpose. It was very intentional <laughs> about... And, but here's the thing, though. I mean, it was... Uh, look, that was a bad day at work, right? But I, I've, often, I've often thought about, and I still do at times, ask myself, would, well, was it harder for me or was it harder for the Marines that had to see me that way? Mm -hmm. Like, who had it worse? Well... You know, and then... It, that that's that's a that's a very um I, I don't even know the word i'm looking for right now but it, no i mean it's, it's worse for you uh, yeah but is it and here's the thing quantifiably on a piece Fair. of paper you couldn't tell me you couldn't show me quantifiably on a piece of paper who had it worse and that's by design right and yeah. I, but i feel like i've thought about these men that are far mightier and have done far more courageous things than i'll ever do that i love and I respect, and um, you know, I, I'm still very close with lots of them, and I'm and I'm very blessed for that. And I've noticed that, you know, the, a lot more of them have stopped drinking. A lot more of them are wanting to be dad and husband, and not, you know, far less concerned about going to the bars or or keeping up with the Joneses. And um, you know, I, and I'm grateful for that. But I. I For me, it was a bad day at the office that evolved into so many different things that have turned into some of the hardest battles I've ever had in my life. And I've realized that I'm going to take it day by day. I'm going to really practice my healthy selfish, and I refuse to let anyone impede on that. And this time of year, as we've talked about before, it always goes up. I mean, suicide, suicidal ideation... 
depression, hypervigilance, anxiety, blah, 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 all the way down the line. Mm -hmm. It goes up. It's holidays. It happens every year. Um, this year's no different. Why? Why is it just because of a holiday that's supposed to be rooted? <clears throat> let me rephrase that. Yeah. I know that it is. It's, it's rooted in <clears throat> something very spiritual, something very religious. Why does it go up? Is it a guilty feeling that people have? Is it a lonely feeling? What causes it? Yeah, it's a great question that I, you know, I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm going to be able to pinpoint the answer. Mm -hmm. um, but I can tell you my, the way I look at it, uh, I can tell you about my experiences over the past, you know, better part of a decade and working in the arenas I've worked in. And that's that most of the suicides and suicidal ideation have been orbited by three things. And it's relationships, self-medicating, and finances okay and that's not in any particular order those three things always always seem to be ever present in these situations and so you think about the time of just talking about here now i'm not going to talk about past holidays there's no point i mean let's talk about right now mm -hmm. you know we live in an abysmal economy with interest rates through the roof and inflation's through the roof and um which by default has made majority of the industrialized world live paycheck to paycheck and try and decide, okay, do I pay the water bill? Do I pay the, the electric bill? And that adds a lot of stress. A lot of people really struggle. And then this time of year too, it's supposed to be family centric. You find a lot of people that come from broken relationships and broken families that miss out on that aspect of it. And there's a lot of people that have suffered significant loss via suicide or terminal illness or what have you that they just don't want. Like I was told by somebody just last week, I just wish I could go to sleep at the end of November and wake up at the beginning of January. Really? Somebody said that to you? Yeah. And I get that though. I understand it because if you allow these people to completely be human and you embrace their humanness, I, I mean, it shouldn't be hard to understand. You know, and, and just because they come at it from a different angle than I do doesn't mean that I'm any more or less of a human or they're any more or less of a human. They're just at a place in their pain that I'm not in, and that's okay. But if I'm not willing to meet them where they are and listen with not just listening with intent, intentionally listening, I don't always know what to say, and sometimes I don't say anything at all, but usually... We leave this conversation, even if it's one-sided, with them feeling better about their current environment. Yeah, a lot of people, I, I would agree with that. A lot of people do. They just, they, they need to be heard. That's it. I believe at least 90-some-odd percent we would have different outcomes. So you, you talked about those three things, relationships, self-medication, mm -hmm. and financial. Yeah. Financial is probably the most superficial aspect of all of them, even though it's real. If you don't have money to pay for things, then you know, now you're, you're intruding on your shelter and, and, and other things. Relationships, you only have so much control over that. But self-medication, you have control. And- Well, path of least resistance. You quit drinking. Mm -hmm. How hard was that? And how much more clear <laughs> is your thinking now? Oh, than it was. There's no comparison. I mean, even with the traumatic brain injury and the PTS and depression and all the shit that I have, like it's so much, so much clearer. Like, I, I, like, is there a way to describe it? Because I know that there are a lot of people who are going to hear this and they're thinking, "Man, I, I really should quit drinking." Yeah, I would, I would encourage you to do that. But how do they, how can you compare the feeling where you were versus where you are? Because I've thought about that before. I have no idea. Yeah, so <clears throat> where I was before was, you know, and you know, that I mean, you've known me, you've known drunk Jake and clean and sober Jake and everything in between. You've gotten front row seats, right? And that either way, regardless, I suck at doing stuff in moderation. Like it is just not uh, a forte that I've got. Yeah, you're either in you're either an idle or you're on full throttle. Right. There's no in between. Right. Like it's either go all the way or I'm not getting out of bed. Okay. You know, good, bad, or indifferent. It's usually hell of a show. 
<laughs> and whereas before, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do this good work, but I'm doing it while the, all the while I'm completely conflicted in who I am and who I've become and, and what am I doing? You know, just because I have the ability and gift to motivate people or get people to do things they otherwise wouldn't want to do. I mean, I, I was using it a, a lot of times for self-interest, self-gain. And, um, you know, there's no room in the fight for the greater good for self-interest, self-gain. It'll chew you up and spit you out. It, it, it will hit you in the mouth. At some point, you will lose. Okay. But I'm going to push back on you a little bit. And I want, yeah. and I want, you, to, want you to tell me where I'm wrong here. I understand self-interest and self-gain, mm -hmm. but we do things, even if it's for the greater good, we do things for a selfish reason and a selfish feeling. In other words, Mother Teresa, all the wonderfully good things that she did, all the sacrifices she made, she got something out of it. She got Yeah, a, Mother Teresa never stood up in front of people after a... a an act of kindness and said, Hey, look at me. No, you're absolutely right. That's what I'm talking about. That's Humility. what I'm talking about. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you are doing things for other people in order to highlight yourself, mm -hmm. you are a part of the problem. Period. End of story. And if it's something that you find yourself like it hits you wrong, it's probably you. So what you're saying is, it's okay to feel good about something yeah, like that. Yeah. But it's the reason why you do it, not the feeling you get from it. Yeah, no one needs you from the top of a mountain shoot, shouting about what you did that was good. Mm -hmm. Shut up. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, if you're, if you're going to do something for someone that can never repay you in order to help them, period, the end. Yeah. That's the idea. No, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and so I think it does go back to the, it's, it's okay to feel good about yourself for, for of course. good that you did. Yeah, I think that that's a spiritual thing. But you got to do thing. it for the right, right. reason. Right, and I believe that that is, I, I really do believe that's baked in spirituality. I believe that that's, you know, God or higher power or whatever you do or don't believe in. This is my belief. I, I believe that's your reward. I think that's, that's the reward for the work of good, doing good work. And, and I, you know, that's, it's in, if you take it all, you know, to the scientific side of it, the, there's very specific chemical releases that happen in the brain when these mm -hmm. things happen. And, you know, it's a great drug. There's no better drug. And I, I mean, I've done most of them. I mean, I've, I know it for a fact, it, and it's something that leaves you wanting it more <clears throat> to the point of, you know, you exhaust yourself to try and do these bigger, better, stronger, faster things in order to make people's lives more worthy of living well or them to believe it anyway. And I think that that's what we're really after. I mean, when it comes to the veteran community, I think that we should be, we should be the tip of the spear. Just for humankind, not just society in America, but for humankind on saying it's okay to find victory in your vulnerability while refusing to be hostage to your pride. Because you can draw strength from that. And if we lead the charge in that while still maintaining the gladiator status, I think that it, it will have a profound effect because where I'm at with it is you're looking at these suicide rates amongst, I mean, my God, middle school age kids and it's like what in the freaking actual foxtrot is going on where, where is the disconnect with these young minds like i gotta tell you todd i mean i was never and i came from a pretty freaking broken home <clears throat> i never thought about suicide or harming myself well i didn't either and that's and that's the thing that i you know it's taken me a long time and i've 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 I read a couple of books. I had to figure out what am I missing here. And what did you? What was the conclusion you came to? Um, the conclusion that I came to. Thank you for turning that around on me. Um, the conclusion that I came to is I'm simply not wired that way. Number one. Number yeah, I know the book you're talking about. 
Because I remember this conversation. Yes. And the book is called uh, War and the Soul. Great book. Edward Tick. Um, and I'll never forget where I was when it hit me like a ton of bricks. And that's when I learned the power of empathy. Mm -hmm. Because, no, I'm not wired that way. I mean, I'm going through some challenges personally that I've never gone through before. And, you know, my wife keeps looking at me. She's going like, you know, uh, what, what's going to happen? Why aren't you worried? Why aren't, you know what? I'm not worried about it because we, we, you and I are okay. You and I are in a great place personally. We've got our health. I just don't think in terms of what a lot of people think in terms of that's an easy way out. It just doesn't even cross my mind. But I don't look down on people for thinking that way because there is a, I think, a chemical imbalance for some people mm -hmm. that allows those thoughts to, to creep in. And so... Again, using the whole aspect of empathy, I got to put myself in their place a little bit. Still doesn't mean I condone it. Still doesn't mean I no. think it's a good idea. Of course. Yeah. But I understand <clears throat> that for some people, they're actually trying to ease the pain of others too. And it's not as selfish of, a, of an act as I thought, but it's certainly not a martyrdom. An act of martyrdom. No, and 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 I've I've had so many conversations in so many places about this topic, and um, you know, obviously never condoned. Um, permanent solution to a temporary problem, no matter how you slice it, does yes. way more damage than it does good. Um, but I also see the side of uh, some people are so desperate for peace. They're willing to do anything to get it. And, um, and and that becomes a matter of, are they desperate for peace they've never known? Or probably. Or are they de desperate for the peace that yeah. they once had? I think, uh, I mean, probably one or the other, both. Who knows? Everybody's got a story. You know, I, I'm not going to sit here and, say what was one or the other it has to be one or the other i mean i, I who knows because i know this is between them and god and um it ends there you know the thing that always had me concerned was um the people like yourselves organizations like one tribe you spend so much time trying to help others that wears on you after a while you know, I yeah. mean, you know, we, we were talking about, um, um, I don't know, the other day we were having a conversation about it and you'd be carrying, at the end of a hump, you'd be carrying other people's gear and, you know, and we've, we've all been through a situation like that where you're like, hey, come on, just get on my back, we're going to go. Um, some are stronger than others and they're able to handle that, but that wears you down after a while. As, as, as tough as we want to be, every little ounce like that that we carry further than we should oh, yeah. than we need to it takes its toll it takes its toll yeah and so that's that's always worried me you know and like 911 operators that's a really good example mhm mm those people EMTs another good example they they do great work to help others but man they're dealing with a lot of baggage of other people yeah and so with I, with no you know with very little thanks or praise by the way and even less upside yeah i, I mean i don't know how they do it i don't but i, I could say the same thing for teachers coaches you know i, I mean it, the list goes on and on and on and on and on and I, and i that's that's true i never really thought about it like that but yeah teachers and coaches i mean because i look at them as 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 just, you know, a good teacher and a good coach, they've got a chance to change the I mean, world. they're molding the future. Yeah. Literally. But a 911 operator, EMT, somebody, you know, and, and folks that, you know, that I mean, do suicide prevention. Alive, yeah. You're not changing the world as much as you are pay, maybe saving the world. Yeah, but who's to say, who's to say, though, uh, you know, which one's happening or if they're happening or, because I know this, I, I know that, my control stops outside of my own flesh. 
And we're masters of BSing ourselves, thinking that, you know, we have control of all these different things. And, you know, even when it's under our roof or like if it involves other human beings, mm-hmm. your control stops outside your skin. You're just. Yeah, there at that point, it's nothing but influence, maybe influence. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I mean, <clears throat> how responsible are you? for something someone else chooses to do. So when you are helping somebody who has expressed uh, suicide uh, ideation, I believe Mm -hmm. that's the correct term. Suicidal ideation, yeah. Okay. How How do you distinguish between somebody who is truly suicidal and someone who is just in a bad place and needs somebody to listen? Is there a way to do that? So it depends. I mean, there's so many, there's so many different variables that come into play. And that's why we do the question, persuade, refer training. And we do all these different workshops to try and get people to understand and see that difference. And, but you don't always, you're not always going to, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, you're just not, I mean, I've had a lot of last conversations that I had no idea were my last conversation. Didn't have a clue. Mm. You know, so it's the, it comes back to this whole, we're only able to do what we can do. I, I, I mean, right things, right, reason, right reasons, bad days are guaranteed. God, God will take care of the rest. That's it. I mean, it's, we're never going to bat a thousand. There's God, no. we're not him. And no. when it does happen, it's not our job to figure out the why. Yeah, I mean, I've, uh, Father Time is undefeated. Uh, I've said that more lately than I ever have just because of my father's. Yeah. I mean, you're going through a very personal thing now with like, you're only going to lose your dad once. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, how do you prepare for that? How do you plan for that? You know, and that's something I've learned about, especially death is that you can always think you're ready and you can do, you can read the books and take the steps and whatever else. And then when it actually hits you, you're like, hmm, wasn't ready. I did all these things, wasn't ready. I think, I think that's just it. You know, I mean, it's until you go through a scenario, you, yeah. you there's no way, like you said, mm-hmm. there's no way to be ready. And um, just think about your first kid. Yeah. How many books did you read? Like how, you know, I mean, you're captain over preparer. Like, <laughs> I don't know about that, but... But you weren't ready? (laughs) No, no, because, because you, I gotta, you know, the funny thing about that, I I remember this, this, this girl I went out with, you know, years and years ago, and, and, and I thought, you know, I thought I had it all figured out how, you know, how the whole parenting thing went. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we're driving along and I said, well, you know, when I'm a parent, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And and I, and I was all smug and proud of my answer. And I turned to her and I, I said, what about you? What do you think? She goes, well, I think if, uh, if a man and a woman, woman love each other uh, well and effectively, the kid part takes care of itself. And I went, damn, that was a hell of a lot more profound in a very yeah. short period of time than, you know, because I, tr- I was trying, I wasn't putting At that it, point in your lives, she was light years ahead of you. Oh, my God. <laughs> light years light ahead of me. Light years years ahead of you. That's an, that's an understatement. You know, I, mean, I was just coming, you know, out of boot camp, I think. So, I mean, I, was, oh, you I already had, had a warm sense had of... You tan stripe and, and you, like, <laughs> you were just, you had it all oh, figured out. Oh, I did. Out. I had it all figured out. We've all been there, though. I mean, look, it's, uh, <clears throat> I think it's really interesting. There is nothing more in life more humbling than life itself. What is the most humbled you've ever been? Oof. I don't even want to answer it because it continues to happen. That you've seen somebody else. What about that I've witnessed? Well, I'm, I was giving you an out. I was letting you. Well, no, I, I'm okay with uh, talking about personal experiences. I mean, if I'm not going to sit here and, and uh, you know, be vulnerable and talk about scars. I mean, why the hell should I expect anyone else to, right? Because mm-hmm. that just makes me a hypocrite. And, you know, personally, um, any, uh, very, anything traumatic with my children has been very, very humbling. Um, 
Because you do anything to take that pain from them, mm-hmm. and you can't. And you can't. You know, and I, and I think that pain is a is a excellent teacher. And that has been more humbling to me than uh, anything. I mean, it's just because, you know, they didn't ask to be here. They didn't raise their hand and go, hey, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll join this spinning ball of chaos with all of you. They didn't have a choice. You know, even though they're God's creation, God's miracle, they, it is a, uh, you know, it's a rough world out there that I think still is full of love and hope and kindness and humanity. And I feel like that we've just got to, we got to live the example. So you've mentioned kindness a couple of times. Why is kindness such a big thing to you? Well, here, okay, let me press it with this. Because I'm sure the guy that I freaking chewed out on the road the other day is probably, you know, he could watch this. And uh, first of all, I'm not sorry. You were wrong and I was right, firstly. Secondly, uh, I think it is because we are all fundamentally scarred, right? We all have a past and things that we probably could have done differently. And everybody's got one, right? Everybody's got one. I don't give a damn if it's the preacher up at the pulpit on Sunday. I don't care if it is the nun walking in to the hospital. Everybody's got a past. Everybody. And the one thing that we all can agree on is that trauma and tragedy sucks. And it's going to punch you in the mouth. Doesn't matter race, color, creed, religion, socioeconomic status, who you know, who you don't know, doesn't matter. It does not discriminate. You're going to get punched in the mouth by something very traumatic at some point in your life. It's the only thing that puts every human being on the same playing ground. Is there a past that is unforgivable? I'm not God, so I'm not making that call. Because there's things here on earth. Because I got one. Yeah, there's things here on earth that um, 100%, yeah, I would find unforgivable. Yeah, you give me one because I guarantee you it's what I'm thinking of. So you go ahead. Anything dealing with kids. 100%. 100%. Yeah. It, you, know, you, it, you couldn't, to me, preying on someone weaker than you that cannot overpower you, outthink you, makes you a coward. Period. It makes you a coward. That is why, just like I, I tell Jack and JMO or I tell the tribe or whoever I'm whomever I'm speaking to, you wake up every day and you're fighting for good or you're fighting for evil. Your choice. And it could flip midday. It's up to you to check yourself to get back. Right? And so the whole first year I was sober, I wouldn't even say I was sober. You probably remember that, say I wasn't drinking. Because I think there's a big difference between not drinking and living a sober lifestyle. And for me, the whole first year, it was like I was walking down IED Alley and it was live as hell. Just explosion after explosion. Like, golly, no wonder I was freaking drunk all the time. Yeah. And doing the occasional line of coke and smoking the occasional blunt and you know, I I just wanted to be numb. It was easier. Straight up. Which one was harder, overcoming the injuries or overcoming the uh self medication? Uh over look, overcoming the physical injuries was wasn't up to me. It was up to all these brilliant doctors and nurses that were, you know, went to school forever to Rob from Peter and give to Paul to put me back together. Like, no matter how much I wanted to or not want to, I was going to heal physically from that. It mm-hmm. was the the mental and emotional side that that was and is still most detrimental to my well being. Like it's not the physical stuff. Physical stuff sucks, right? I mean, the older I get, like I'm there's body parts that are, you know, I age a lot quicker than most people. You know, I wake up in pain, I go to bed in pain, and I've just learned to deal with it. And, um, you know, that's not going to get any better with time. But I'm also grateful for said pain. I mean, it reminds me that I'm still here, still ticking. 
Okay, so that, that actually segues very nicely into one of the, the things that, that I personally have really come around on. Um, you know, we were talking about, you know, earlier, personally, how I changed. I mean, I, I've told people before, I'm embarrassed how I felt about suicide until that, that yeah. moment in time where all of a sudden, I was like, oh, wait a minute, it's, I'm looking at this thing all wrong. Well, I remember I, you telling, you used those exact words. Yeah, well, I mean, I was. I was, I was incredibly embarrassed, you know, at, at the way that I would approach it. And, and um, you know, just because it was, it was just so naive. I'm looking at it through, through the lens of someone who's never thought about that and who doesn't even, who hadn't even tried to understand it. Yeah, I mean, you were on a you were on the societal boat in the thought process, which was very limited. We never really given it a lot. Yeah, uh, I never really thought about it as being on the societal boat, but I, I understand think about what you're how saying. much the societal pressure plays into our consciousness, subconscious every day. Yeah, but now we're okay with it. I'm and, not. and when I say we're okay with it, what I mean is we accept that it's that it's a problem now, and it's not a weakness. It's it's a um, it's something that, that needs to be dealt with. It's not an indicator of being weak. That's, that's what I mean. And, okay. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, no, I agree it, <clears throat> but I used to look at it like that. This is an indicator that you are a weak person. If you're thinking and not as much weak as selfish, I viewed it as something mm -hmm. very selfish. And again, you know, I asked you about, you know, when you've been humbled and I think that was it took me a minute to kind of remember that, but that was probably when I was most humbled was when I realized, hey, Jackwagon, this ain't about anything you're thinking. This is about things that hurt other people, things that bother other people. Just because you don't have that problem doesn't mean they're weak. Mm -mm. And so I kind of used to look at the idea of psychedelics as a way to cope with pain kind of similar they're not exactly you know parallel but there's a lot of people that i mean i can't tell you how many other veterans i've talked to who said that smoking dope rather than the pills that the va gave them saved their life yep and i've had to totally come around to that because that I did buy into the societal aspect of, you know, well, it's a gateway drug and, and, you know, and it very well may be, but you know what, you're going to tell me that alcohol is not a gateway drug. I didn't go into the military hospital, a drug addict. I came out one. That's, that's a hard thing to hear because we don't, I know we don't do it intentionally. Well, of course not. Yeah. It's just the byproduct of what happened, right? Nobody was hoping that I would be a freaking drug addict, right? I mean, that wasn't the you intent. Know. But, I mean, you look at <clears> – <throat> that's I, and that's the thing is it's like I feel like we've really lost sight of the live and let live. Live and let live. Stop judging. Who the fuck are you to judge? You know? And here's the thing, too. Are you willing to fight, bleed, and die for said judgment? Because if you're not, shut your damn mouth. <laughs> shut up. Now, now that, that I agree with to an extent, um, to a large extent. But, I mean, not everybody, you know, listen, the, the military is one. Here's, here's how I would modify what you just said. Okay. Tell me how you would officer it up. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you and I both know not everybody is meant to serve in uniform. Mm -mm. There are people that, that we served with that were more dangerous to themselves and everybody else around them. Yeah. They shouldn't have been serving. But I completely agree with that statement when it comes to serving your fellow man, mm. serving your country, serving your community. If you are not willing to do that. And that's what I mean. And, I, and, I, and I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. You know, there was a statistic I read. I can't remember can't quote the exact source, but essentially he was talking about volunteering in America. Mm -hmm. What percentage of Americans volunteer? Oof, I couldn't even tell you. I, 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 would, I would guess. And, a, and, and by the way, that, that, mean, that could mean service in uniform. 
Okay, that, yeah. that, that could mean uh, coaching uh, for the, you know, for, for no pay down at the, you know, at the local school. Okay, so um, this is a very broad... Yes, it's a, I'm talking volunteering their time, talent, Okay. Time or talent, not treasure. Yeah, well, no, I mean, that's, well, I mean, very few people can do that anyway. What percentage do you think of Americans do that? Um, mm, it's not a trick question. I know, but I don't, I don't, I could also, um, I would, I would probably venture to guess less than 5%. It is more than that. Believe it or not, but it's. it's I would. I'm. I'd be very surprised if it's in the double digits. It is. It's one out of four. Okay. Okay. Now, remember, that's any kind of volunteering. That's going down, you know, to to church one day a year. That's. I mean, I'm talking any kind of volunteering. See, this one is out why these freaking studies are so skewed, and here's why. We also know that one out of four children are molested actually molested but that's also the four that had the strength to talk about it right and so i, I mean there's so that, many of these that's fine and that's fair but here's my point it's still what was the what was the percentage what was the 25 percent one out of four bullshit so bullshit i'm just, calling bullshit just imagine though if you flip that okay let's just take that at face value Okay. And just imagine if three out of every four people in a room were volunteering their time or talent to oh, us in some form or fashion. We'd live in a different world. We, it'd be a totally different world. Different world. But we get so we get so inwardly focused. And listen, I'm I'm guilty of it. I mean, I'll, I I'm, I think everybody. Well, is. when I say I'm guilty of it, I do a lot of things to volunteer, but I can always do more. Well, yeah, but so can everybody at everything, right? I mean, you anytime you hear like oh, I did my best, and it's like, did you? Did you? Like, did you absolutely do your best? Like, did you give everything you've got to give? Because there's lots of times where I leave and someone will be like, yeah, how'd you do? And I'm like, I showed up. Well, and that's, you're right. That that right there, just showing up is one of the very first. I mean, that's, that's the most important step. Yeah, I mean, there's days where, you know, I don't want to do shit let alone fight for the greater good. It's taken, yeah, it's taken its toll. It's had an impact. Okay, so I talked about something and then I kind of veered us off course. Go, go back to the psychedelic thing. What I'm 100%, listen, I believe, you know, MDMA, psychedelics, ketamine infusion, uh, um, you know, microdosing, I, I believe these things, looking at the outcomes, are going to have a lot of validity. Yeah. And if someone says, oh, Jake, when I got to go do that ketamine infusion, I'm not saying it's the end all be all, but it saved my life at the moment. Who the hell am I to say that they're, they're talking out of their ass? I'm no, I'm not going to say that. Yeah. Cause even if it's, you know, the, um, placebo effect where, you know, it, if it just makes you think that you're better, I don't care. Then that's, that's fine. I don't care. And, and so anyone, of course, look, you think Big Pharma wants this to be a thing? Mm -mm. You know, you think, that the, you, you think that the people that are reminding you to get your booster on top of your booster with the booster baby and then booster junior and, you know, like, I'm tired of this shit. You think that the government doesn't know damn good and well, and I believe it was Chris Rock that said the treatment, money's in the treatment, not the cure. Yeah. Like I, and, and so I'm not going to sit that here. That was a Chris Rock thing? I think was, I'm pretty sure it was Chris Rock or Chris Tucker. I want to say it was Chris Rock. I could be wrong. Uh, I'm sure the World Wide Web will correct me, and that's fine. <laughs> and, but I, I'm telling you, it's who the hell am I to say, you, know, you micro-dosing shrooms, you telling me that, man, this works better than any antidepressant, that I've been given or any mood stabilizer or anti-anxiety drug. Like, who the hell am I to say when you can't because it's shrooms and it's, you know, you're really just doing it. Like, come on. I'm not, who am I to say that? Well, and, that, and that's the other thing. It's like we're talking about something that is a natural substance to most Well, here's my thing, too. Well, then how come the outcomes 
if it stands now, as it stands now, are kicking the shit out of the outcomes that Big Pharma produces. Well, and so let me be negative for a minute uh, because there's no money in it for them. Yeah, but no, they, I, they, but they will. Not, no, there's a difference between being factual and being negative. You were factual just now. You called spade a spade. Mm -hmm. There's nothing negative about it. That's the thing. I'm not going to put lipstick on a piece of shit and call it a model. <laughs> you know, oh, like, man. let's just call a spade a spade now. Like, it's like you're not going to offend me with you saying that Big Pharma runs the world. Like, no kidding. It, you know, especially no, that's, that, that's very true. And, and hold, by, by the way, calling a spade a spade. Somebody said that the other day. I had to go look it up. You know where that comes from? <laughs> of course you wouldn't look it up. <laughs> God, what? Where? I did, because I thought it had to do with shovels. No. Yes. Well, I thought it had to do with shovels, because a, sho a spade is also a shovel. It, it's, it's very simply, I, I, you know, go figure. I overthought this. It has to do with cards. Yeah. It all goes back to cards. I was like, there, there's no way that it's that damn simple. Yep. I thought it was a shovel. Kiss, anyway, kiss, kiss method. Keep it, that's right. We were talking about that earlier. Keep it simple, sir. Negative. No. <laughs> well, okay. So this is kind of the, you know, the, the dismount for me is always, you know, I, I like to, to make sure we're remembering those who made, uh, you know, those who went before us, those who made the ultimate sacrifice. And, mm -hmm. I, and I always ask everybody else. So I want to, I want to take my, my turn at this today. And, and, um, you know, we keep this, you know, for people who are listening, we keep this, um, you know, this folded flag between us. Uh, and that's my way of making sure that we always, you know, keep the memory of those folks alive. And for me, um, one of my buddies I went through my training with, Greg Wright, uh, on December 7, that's the anniversary of his Yeah, night. you know, I know the anniversary. Um, and so I got to, I got to mention Greg Wright. Greg was a... Uh, Greg was probably one of the funniest people I have ever met, had the biggest servant leadership heart I've ever experienced, and died as an agent in the CIA. Uh, in fact, his, his star, he's got a star on the wall yeah. at the CIA. Um, and go figure, he was defending um, his asset, keeping him, keeping him alive. And that person did survive. Unfortunately, Greg caught one to the femoral uh, artery and mm. wasn't able to to survive. But he was 32 years old, man. That's way too young. <sighs> way too young. How about you? You know, um, I've been asked this question a lot over the years, especially since the inception of Carry the Load. And I'm, uh, I'll give you the answer that I've been giving everybody the last number of years, and it's all of them. All of them. Yeah, there's, unfortunately, there's a lot. Okay, and here's why. Uh, you know, because I, I believe that we're blessed to draw a breath and be able to have blood coursing through our veins and be upright and talking and carry mm -hmm. on conversations and be influences to our family or our friends or whoever that is around us. I think we're also, we need to be equally responsible as the gatekeepers of their legacies. And, um, man, I'm a firm believer that the only way to truly honor them is uh, to live well on a daily basis. I agree with that. I, I, I absolutely agree with that. And if, if we don't, and I, that statement reminds me of that, uh, you know, Saving Private Ryan you know, at the end, and, I, and I've incorporated this in a, in a few speeches, you know, where, where he, uh, where Tom Hanks' character tells Matt Damon's character to earn it. Yeah. You know, you've been given an opportunity here to live on, mm -hmm. earn it. And that, that is one of the heaviest scenes to me that when I watched it and remembered or when I watched it and saw it differently that one time, I've, I've never forgotten that. And I, and I think it's important that we remind ourselves every day we got to earn it. We got to show up and we got to earn it. That's because it. Because somebody else gave, gave us, us that, the opportunity. That, that opportunity. And here's the thing. There's days you're going to fall flat on your face. Yeah. And that's okay. That's real. That's okay. 
that makes you human like everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we both know people actively dying as we speak. Yeah. And um, in some cases, far greater people than we could probably ever dream of being. And uh, I'll be damned if I'm not going to call a spade a spade. It doesn't have to do with a shovel. And call myself on my playing own. Cards. I'll call myself on my own bullshit, but I will go out of my way to live the example, and I will keep myself accountable while I'm living the example. And I will own my failures because they gave me the opportunity, and that's the least I can do. I always enjoy talking with you, my friend. Likewise, brother. Likewise, as officers, you are. I, I do too. Like. <laughs> If this resonated with you in the least, please subscribe and like, and please, please, please share it with at least one person. These are the stories that make us uniquely American. These are the stories that preserve the integrity of our nation.